But one of the only things missing from our week of broadcasting in Israel is that we didn't have a chance to uh, <clears throat> to host our good friend Yishai Fleischer. Yishai was actually traveling here in the United States while we were in Israel. Now he's back where we belong, uh, in the Holy Land. He is, of course, a, a well-known international a journalist, radio announcer, and very good friend of JM and the AM. Yishai Fleischer, shalom, and welcome back to JM and the AM. Nachem, it's, uh, it's good to be on the show. It was great seeing you in the airport. Bumped into your dad, JFK, and that was a great bracha. Uh, but you're right, now we're back here in Jerusalem, and uh, back to the uh, tension that we're facing here in Jerusalem as well. No question about that. Yeah, like I said, you're back where we belong, and it was nice reuniting for a few minutes uh, at JFK. N- nothing like spicing up a boring airport visit. I-, I don't mean yours. I mean me waiting <laughs> for the person I was waiting for. Um well, you, you know what's utmost on everybody's mind, Yishai. Uh, we hear about the hundreds of rockets that are raining down on Israel. We see and hear the red alerts, those who are in tune with what's happening in the Holy Land. And the big question is, uh, is the Prime Minister, is the administration in Jerusalem going to have to make a decision to go back with yet another ground offensive in Gaza? How serious do you think this is going to get? Well, we're learning that Hamas, uh, is dedicated, and um, I think that we're seeing a lot of the people in the, in the Jewish nation in Am Israel uh, realizing that this is a time to get rededicated to standing up for Israel, fighting for Israel, because it looks like Hamas is teaching us a lesson. And I don't, I don't say those words lightly. Um, they're teaching us a lesson in <clears throat> how prepared they are for self-sacrifice and how prepared they are uh, to face our army and what their very limited goals are. Their very limited goals are not to destroy Israel because they can't do that. They want to bug us. They want to show the world that they're not afraid of us. They want to shut down our economy. They want to, now they're, now they uh, sent some rockets towards some of the gas fields, natural gas fields in the Mediterranean. And they're also showing us that they're, they're willing to take us on. And the question is kind of being asked internationally, how is Israel going to manage? When we do start a fight with them, they immediately go into a different mode, into the media mode of showing us as the aggressors, as the killers of their children. And we face, uh, Israel faces a kind of um, quandary to go in with full force, to engage fully, or to do what I think our prime minister's wish is, would, would be that he could not engage fully, that he could only make this into a mild problem, teach him a lesson, and keep doing what I think our Prime Minister really likes to do, which is to build the country, build more roadways, build railways. And that's one of the fundamental differences between Israel's side and the Hamas side, is that Israel, I think, is creative by its nature and wants to live and enjoy life and build up the life of the Middle East and Israel. And Hamas on their side, they are not creative, they are destructive, they're willing to destroy all the way. They're willing to face us all the way. Yeah. I mean, no question about it. And that's, of course, the uh, uh, the fundamental difference. But but let me let me ask you this: not that you need to explain the enemy to us. I don't think that's your responsibility to get into the head of the enemy. But if in fact this was the plan all along, that the rocket barrages would continue from Gaza and and you know and increase the tension for our brothers and sisters in Israel, in addition to whatever damage, God forbid, can be done, then why negotiate ceasefires at all? Why are they sitting at the negotiating table? Why are they going through this game 
of making believe that they're actually interested in having some type of peaceful coexistence. Well, right there, what you said at the end is is the point that could be confusing. They're not interested in peaceful coexistence. The ceasefire for them is is to get an advantage, a political advantage. Even if, in their mind, if they reach a ceasefire in which they embarrassed Israel and showed themselves as the leaders of the Palestinian cause and the leaders of the jihadist movement who can take on this giant Israel, and they've reached a ceasefire, and that ceasefire only means, in their mind, uh, a time to rearm and prepare yet again for another onslaught, then they'll do that. It's, a, <clears throat> it's completely tactical. It's a completely tactical outlook, and it has nothing to do with the word that you said, which is peaceful coexistence. That, if, if you heard them say that, which they don't say, but if you would hear them, that's only in order to kind of throw us off the trail and to, to, to you know, have those forces in the, in the Jewish uh, and in the Israeli world that you know, are seeking peace and want peace. We all want peace, but there are those voices that think that that's so paramount that we have to do sacrifices. So they want to utilize those voices to weaken internal Israeli the, the debate and, and to make that uh, debate side towards helping right. them and giving them and sacrificing to them. And so they're just they're they're very tactically tactically oriented. We can see it by their charter, and we can see by their behavior that they uh, want the destruction of Israel as a total goal, and will take the weakening of Israel as a near near term goal. Also, another thing is that the very fact that we're frustrated by these ceasefires is to their advantage. They think it's funny. Right. They think it's funny that we wait they... with bated breath right. for a ceasefire for a break. And they're just like, haha, just kidding. Here's another volley. And what are you going to do? Yeah, they get to string us along. Yishai Fleischer with us from Israel. Uh, Yishai, then I, then I go back to my original question because you're familiar with, you know, the, with the way things are on this side of the world, the old, you know, what's going to be, uh, question, the what's going to be, uh, aspect of all this. Is it inevitable then that we're going to reach the same type of proportion in terms of the numbers that, um, the Prime Minister had to send into Gaza? In terms of a ground offensive, is is it something that's unavoidable uh, at this point, or is it still avoidable? Are they able to take care of what needs to be taken care of just by the use and the force of the Israel Air Force? Uh, it all really depends on our mindset and our willingness to tolerate images that are are not uh, savory, and if we're willing, and and and, and really, this is not a this is not a military conflict. This is more than anything a conflict about where is Israel willing to take this? How serious are they willing to strike? If you remember, around the time of the disengagement, there was a lot of voices that said, if one rocket comes out of Gaza, we will flatten them, we will smash them. Right. But those were all very theoretical, and they proved, and, and I said back then, that a cowardly action of leaving our homes in Gushkatif will not result in a heroic action of smashing the bad guys. It will result in more cowardice. And uh, those are hard terms, but the bottom line is that this is an internal debate within Israel about how much are we going to allow ourselves to be pushed around and how much are we willing to do those kind of actions. To, to do what you're saying, which is to use the air power to, to attack Gaza, you got to say, okay, we're really going to go all the way, and we're willing to tolerate civilian casualties, and we're not going to talk about. And I, when I was on Al Jazeera, for example, they asked me, uh, you know, what about the morality of the Israeli army? How come it is it that um, we're willing to kill children? And I said to them, I am not about to debate morality of warfare with the jihad. 
you fired us and we fire back. If you put your children in front of our missiles, that's very much to our dismay, but we are willing to do it because we will not tolerate you firing at us. So that, that's a mentality. If you're going to, every time that you get on TV, you're going to debate if Israel's moral or not moral and it's army usage, you've already lost the war because you're not willing to do what these guys are willing to do, which is to take it all the way. Yeah. So that, that's, in, in one sense, Nachum, there's a very healthy thing that's happening here. And that is, the, the question is being thrown out to Israel, are you going to try to root this out, or are you going to kick the can down the road? I am absolutely confident in saying that our government would love to be able to kick the can down the road, and maybe they'll be able to. If they reach a ceasefire, it'll be a ceasefire that will last X number of years until this uh, Hamas uh, uh, will rear their ugly head again. On the other hand, the opportunity that we have right now with Egypt being against uh, Hamas, with uh, Saudi Arabia being against Hamas, with a lot of forces that are find the jihad distasteful right now, that gives us a lot of opportunity to uh, to, to 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 really unleash uh, the power that we have. And 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 one more aspect of the Israeli psychology, which is so important here, is are we willing to be a superpower? Right. If we want to be a small power that wants to only fight when it when it feels like it needs to defend itself, then we can only fight as long as they force us to fight. But if we say, hey, we don't tolerate this kind of thing. We have a zero-tolerance policy for the injury of Jews. We want to end this. We do not want these forces to try to destroy us. And by the way, they try to destroy their own society as well. We're willing to root these guys out. It is such a, you know, we talk about the challenging summer that it's been in Israel. It's really a a watershed summer. The, The results of what goes on over the next few weeks could have a pivotal effect on modern Jewish history, frankly. Yes, I, I think that you're absolutely right, and I think that it is. It has been a heavy summer, uh, uh, an emotional summer, definitely one that I have felt my own, you know, flesh tired from the emotional ups and downs, and not to mention, of course, the reserve soldiers that have been down there and now also are again preparing to be called up. And uh, sadly, um, we're in a state of affairs that the enemy is controlling. The court. It's, it's their game. It's, it's, it's up to them. And we have not taken it to, to the point that they're saying, whoa, Israel is, is a, is a unexpected enemy. We don't know where they're going to come from. They're, they're audacious. And so we are kind of predictable and a little bit, um, kind of, kind of slow to, to move. Everything is very costly. Tentative. We're, te- we're, te- we're tentative. We're tentative. Right, we're sensitive. We're sensitive to to sixty four deaths, and they're not so sensitive to two thousand. Yeah, but, yeah, but, uh, but I'm saying I'm saying we're tentative that we're that we hesitate oh. to make the move. Right. Oh, that's also true. That's that's one hundred percent true. Um, but you know, the good news is that we're being forced to make that decision. And the other good news, I think, there is a silver lining here, which is that Hamas has definitely shown themselves to be audacious. They've definitely challenged us. There's, by the way, a crazy figure that everybody has to know is that there's about 300,000 Israelis that are displaced right now. Wow. And the ball is totally in their court. But on the other hand, it's important to make this distinction. Um, while I agree with you that we're tentative, the old uh, uh, Arab regimes, uh, like Nasser, used to talk in 1967, before the war, they were going to wipe us out. They were going to throw us into the sea. Today, nobody's talking that way. Right. They're talking about embarrassing us, shutting down our airport, hurting our economy, you know, killing of some of our soldiers. 
but they don't have strategic depth. We have command of, of, of this region, and we are becoming, by force of our own uh, uh, growth, uh, fiscal and military, and by force of the fact that the Arab nations around us are disintegrating, we are the, the big dog in this region. The question is, are we going to get that consciousness sooner or later that we have to set the tone for what's going on and to lead? And the jihadist forces can be put on the run. If you don't send a message to the jihad, you know there's other jihadist forces, even even more uh, aggressive than Hamas in the region and in the form of the Islamic Caliphate. And uh, we have to set, set a tone right now that we're the superpower in the region. If you want a caliphate, that's fine, because we're going to have our own quote-unquote caliphate. We're going to have a very strong Israel that's going to not uh, uh, succumb to, to these kind of forces. But yes, it's a watershed historical moment for sure. And, and we'll see. I can't really predict to you because I do feel that there are forces that would love to see this thing just go away. And we have not been mentally prepared for a big old war. We have not been prepared for that. Uh, but, you know, Hamas is forcing us, and, and, and they are making fun of us. There's no question about it. Yeah. They are calling us out. Not very different, by the way, than another uh, famous uh, anti-Jewish fighter, which was Goliath, who called us out, called us names, you know, said that we were nobody, and said that our God was nobody. And it took, it took the stature, the short uh, figure and the huge stature of King David uh, to come out and, and to face Goliath. And that spirit has to reside in, in the IDF and in Israel right now. And uh, it's, I, I think it's on the way. But uh, as a reporter, I can tell you it's still very much, as you said, hesitant. But on the other hand, we are uh, approaching that, and maybe our enemies are the ones that have to wake us up. Ah, so sometimes history repeats itself. Yishai, this is going to sound unusual to a lot of people. As uh, we just read a moment ago, as you were uh, answering my question, I was looking at the... Um, Latest red alerts, Ashkelon, Beersheba, and we know that hundreds of rockets have been falling. Uh, despite all this, I have been trying to uh, convey the message to people, the truthful message to people, that by and large there is no reason to stop traveling to Israel and how important it is to keep traveling to Israel and to support the economy and to give a boost of solidarity and to, uh, and to help out in whatever way possible. And very often... Very often, as we you know sit and hear only these types of things on this side of the world, we assume that every inch of Israel is being covered in these types of attacks, and that every area is uh, you know quote unquote dangerous. Can you help me in reassuring this audience that if they keep their plans for August and for September and for Sukkot to head to Israel, they will not regret it. Nahum. It's an incredibly important point, what you're talking about. Uh, there's, there's, there's two things I'll have to say. First thing is that I can tell you that the cafes tonight in Jerusalem and in Tel Aviv will be filled to the brim with Israelis who are out and, and having fun. And I'm going, I'm taking my wife out tonight to Chutzot Hayutzer, which is a big, like, art uh. festival. So, so, so we're going out, and our kids are going out, and we're having a lot of fun still, even through this challenging time. I know that sounds wild, but that's just the way it is. There's a war on, on, on one level, and still life goes on on the other level. On the other hand, I want to say that the reason that we're going out is in part because life goes on, but also in part because we send a message also, which is our courage, our audacity, our, our fearlessness, and our 
um, never-ending effort to continue to actually make a normal life here in Israel. I think that the people that cancel their plans are going to feel a drop in their hearts. They chickened out at the moment that Israel needs them. And on the other hand, those who keep their plans, and I have a good friend of mine uh, just flew in, my friend Renan just flew in from New Jersey, from New York, and I saw him with his whole family, and he feels, and his family feels such a pride at being here, Dafka, as we say, Dafka, and that's the word I want everybody to have in their head, the word Dafka, despite and in spite of what exactly our enemies want. What do they want? They want you to cower in fear. They want you to be a victim of terror. They want you to cancel your plans. That's exactly what Hamas wants. And if you canceled your plans, you are, there's no other word for it, you are a victim of terror. Yep. And when you courageously say, absolutely not, we're still going to have a great time, we're still going to eat great food, we're still going to have a spiritual high by, by coming to Israel, and Dafka, in the face, despite and in spite what our enemies want, I came to Israel and I showed my children that courage is part of what being Jewish is about, that Israel is, is our beloved country through thick and thin, and right now she needs us, she loves us, the people of Israel need to see our, our courage and our unity, and as I always say, we have to hold hands across the Atlantic. And, and our marriage is not judged in times of, of peace, uh, it's judged in times of challenge and in times of war. It's easy to come into Israel and treat it like Epcot Center or Disney World when it's all comfy. But right now is when the country needs you, and you can have a memory of a lifetime. You can have that inner satisfaction that you were courageous, and, and your children will, will have that inspiration for all their lives. And, of course, we Israelis will feel that our brothers and sisters in America are united with us in our plight. This is an attack against Israel. This is an attack against our family. Yep. And our family's got to come together right And now. I hope everybody realizes that. By the way, I'm looking at the, uh, at the Chutzot Hayotzer schedule. Great day there today. You have a lot. Yeah, what's there today? <laughs> a lot of great stuff. A lot of great arts and craft stuff. A lot of good, uh, performances. They have special, uh, uh, they have special array of printing, of, uh, paintings rather, and international, uh, arts that, uh, are being represented both, um, by Israelis and people around the world. You have a lot of, a lot of nice things to enjoy as the festival starts to come to an end. I'm going to definitely hook that up tonight. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's very important to, to savor the life of, of Jerusalem and Israel. There's so many beautiful things here. So I'm going to take my wife out and we're going to get some food out there and we're going to have, uh, we're going to have, uh, you know, beautiful, the walls of Jerusalem smiling upon us. And uh, we'll be sending a message to our enemies, nothing doing. We ain't going to cower. We're not going to be afraid. We're going to fight if we have to fight, but we're going to live for sure. And Am Yisrael Chai, we've been waiting for this moment for a long time, and we're not going to let the likes of, of these um, destructive jihadis who really don't have a vision for this world uh, somehow stop our progress forward. We're, we're, we're building Israel. We're building Jerusalem. And at the end, we're also going to build a house of prayer for all nations. And, uh, you know, we keep smiling. That's it. Nothing. We keep smiling. Amen to that. Um, I look forward, and I'm sure my listeners look forward to reuniting with you in the Holy Land. Thank you so much, Yishai Fleischer. Nothing, you're the best. Keep up the great work of connecting people. Really. I appreciate that very much. Thursday morning broadcast, JM and the AM, Yishai Fleischer. He is, uh, he's, he's heading out. He's heading out to enjoy Jerusalem at Chutzot HaYotzer tonight. He's heading out. That's right. That's what all of us can be doing. Keep your trips on the schedule for August. There's a million things to do in Israel, even with the rockets falling. And uh, for those of you who are um, on the calendar for September and for Sukkot, 
All we could do is continue to encourage you to keep those plans exactly where they are. There's a big battle going on. Yishai Fleischer just described it. There's a big battle going on on many fronts. Let's not cave in on the... It's the one front we can we can be of assistance with, the tourism front. Let's not cave in on that one. All fronts need to be strong during this war. This is JM in the AM.